Joseph, would you please come up and pray for the message, Brother Joseph? Yes. And uh, that would be great. Let us pray. Father, we thank you that, Lord, we are now getting ready to extend ourselves with worship through the preaching of your word. I just pray that, Lord, that, Father, that our hearts are ready uh, through the singing of your uh, songs, Lord, through the fellowship of the believers. And now, Lord, get our minds and our thoughts ready to hear exactly what you have to say from heaven. Thank you, Lord, for those that are here in the house of the Lord this morning, Lord. Now also, Lord, thank you that, Father, we're ready to receive a good word from heaven. In Jesus' name, let the whole church say. Amen. Amen. Thank you, brother. Pastor Joseph, we appreciate that. Turn your Bibles with me to Ecclesiastes chapter 4, and then put your hand also over in the book of Genesis chapter 4. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, I'm going to go back and read a, um, a verse that I read last week and then skip down. So I'm going to read Ecclesiastes 4, verse 1, and then I'm going to read verses 4 through 6. Then I'm going to go to Genesis chapter 4 and read... The first 12 verses and end at 12a of verse 12. Ecclesiastes chapter 4. Thank you, um, food ministry, for getting things ready out there. This is what it says. Again, I saw all the oppressions that are done under the sun. And behold, the tears of the oppressed. And they had no one to comfort them. On the side of their oppressors, there was power, and there was no one to comfort them. Go down to verse 4. Then I saw that all toil and all skill in work come from a man's envy of his neighbor. This also is vanity and a striving after wind. The fool folds his hands and eats his own flesh. Better is a handful of quietness than two hands full of toil and a striving after wind. Turn with me over to the book of Genesis, chapter 4. Very first book, the Bible. If you reach Revelation, you've gone too far. Genesis Chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. Now Adam knew knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have gotten a man with with the help of the Lord. And again she bore his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, and Cain a worker of the ground. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. And Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering he had no regard. So Cain was very angry, and his face fell. The Lord said to Cain, listen, the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? And why has your face fallen If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is for you, but you must rule over it. 
Cain spoke to Abel, his brother. And when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is Abel, your brother? He said, I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? And the Lord said, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. And now you are cursed from the ground, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it shall not, it shall no longer yield to you its strength. We'll stop there. The title that I've given this message is When God Makes the Appeal to Change. When God Makes the Appeal to Change. Sister Maria, it's good to see you. How are you feeling today? Last, last time you were... That under the weather, how are you feeling? Good, good, good. The first point that we just want to jump right into the first point. For those writing it down, it is the offering and presentation. The offering and presentation, primarily Ecclesiastes 4, 4, Genesis first chapter 4, verses 3, 5. When Solomon comes to an observation in his book by saying, Then I saw, or again I saw, he is at the point of drawing a conclusion based on the careful observations that he has already made. You will know throughout the book of Ecclesiastes that, that Solomon is saying, Then I saw, or again I noticed something. It is not that he's looking at it right now, but he has made a careful study because he, as you remember, he went to test everything and to try to find out what is the meaning of life. What, what is this all about? When you look at Ecclesiastes 1.3, it sets the theme for the book. And we've talked about the word vanity and everything under the sun. He's looking from the perspective of life here on the earth. So he comes to make observations and draws conclusions based on what he has seen. The word envy that he uses in chapter 4 4 may also be understood by the word rivalry. It's not always necessarily translated into jealousy in our English. In our English course or English word, the word rivalry, rivalry actually might even be that which is productive. It does not mean that it is always negative. It may be positive if it spurs somebody to look at someone and be encouraged by what they see. In many cases, people get upset and they are trying to be like the Joneses. Oh, let me get, the, get off the Joneses and call somebody else. Everybody always bothering the Joneses. But, but, but let me just tell you that when he makes his observation, he, he notices that, that envy often seems to spur a person on, or rivalry. So it could be positive, or it could be negative. But I want you to note that when we consider this matter here regarding uh, Solomon, 
He is very astute in his observations. Solomon's observation about the motivation behind people's work is even true today. When we consider how people look at one another today, they oftentimes either get upset with what they see, just look at them, think they all that. Or they get excited, that you know that person is such a hard worker, I want to take my lead or look at that person, I want to, I want to do what they're doing or, or I'm going to be encouraged by what I see them doing. So we need to understand that rivalry can be a good thing at times, but oftentimes it may not be. When we consider Cain and Abel, brothers who both worked and they brought their gifts and their act of worship to God. They brought their gifts and their act of worship to God. The offering of their hands, in other words, it was that by which they made their living. We have the first children born of Adam and Eve. And one of the things that you note immediately is that the effect of the curse happens right away. The offering that they bring is one to a superior. You consider, you note that they brought an offering to God. And it is quite possible that they brought the offering on the day of the Sabbath. Don't know, but it's possible that they brought it on the day of the Sabbath since that day had already been given as a day of rest. But we're not told whether it is their first gift, gift, their fifth gift, or whatever gift it may be. We don't know, but we know the Bible makes note of the gift that they have now brought. Your work, whatever you do, should honor God. There are sometimes people who say, I only do this for work. Well, what are you doing on your job so that, so that God can get the glory? It's not just this that you do, but your work is a service unto the Almighty God. There are sometimes people who think that I'm not really doing work unless I'm working inside the church building. You are working wherever you are, and you are representing God wherever you live and wherever you are. Is God getting the glory in your life? Or are you always complaining about your job? Your work, whatever you do, should be an act of honoring and worshiping of the Almighty God. In Cain and Abel's offering to the Lord, the offering and the presentation of it is being evaluated by God. Do you not know that you are under evaluation? Some of you don't realize that you are being evaluated. And we note that the offering that they bring and the presentation that they make to God, there are three things I want you to note about this. We note of their offering. Number one, we note the quality of their offering. We note the selection of their offering. And we note the attitude of the offerer. One, again, the quality of their offering, the selection for their offering, and the attitude of the offerers. The quality. Came, the Bible says, brought fruit from the ground. The idea here is that what Cain brought was not his best. I'm glad it's quiet. He brought an offering, but it is not his best. 
I'm not going to deal with the different schools of thought that talked about should it have been a blood offering. I'm going to just talk about the fact that he brought a gift from the work that he did. The quality of Cain's offering was very, very low. Again, thank you for being quiet. It is not that Cain did not know what he was to bring or how he was to act or respond, but he made a personal choice. Don't you know that you make a choice every time you come into worship of God? Your attitude makes a difference. How you enter into the presence of God is being evaluated. Some people come just any type of way. Yes, I'll go to church today. I guess no. I guess I'll just I'll just go. Ain't got nothing else to do. No, when you come to the house of the Lord, you go because you are going before the Almighty God, and He's worthy of all the praise. You 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 get me? You get me now? It's important how you enter the quality of their offering. For Abel, the quality was top notch. He valued whom. He was bringing his offering to. He did not lose sight of who was the focus. Have you ever been going someplace and forgot where you were going? I got on the road one day and forgot where I was going. And then you're going to the city. Like, well, wait a minute, where am I going? Or, or, or I missed the turn off. I was driving a, a group of young people one day when I was working with the Boys and girls, club. I used to drive the van. And I was thinking about something. Had a bunch of kids in the van. We just came back from town. They had been swimming. And came back and had come to the entrance to Marin City and went on past it into Sausalito. Hey, Marcus, Marcus, where are you going? Oh, Lord, my mind was someplace else. I'm supposed to make a turn here. Go, I'm just, I'm going, I'm going somewhere. I have no idea where I was going. Had to go and turn around and come back. You can, don't, don't, don't look at me strange. You've been right in your house and you forgot what you were going upstairs or downstairs for. Get to the top of the stairs or to a room. Now, why did I come in here? Let me go back to the place where I started from and see if I can remember. And you start off again and you forget. Have you ever forgot twice in a row? Take a pad with you and write it down. Write it down. You see, if you have a real sense of who it is that you are serving, the quality of your offering will reflect this when you come to know who it is that you are standing before. Quality makes a difference. The second thing that we know is the selection of their offering. We're still dealing with point one. The selection of their offering. Cain brought his offering from what is described as the fruit of the ground. Let me give you another word, the refuse. The refuse, the discarded. That which is not that important. The selection described was just some fruit from the ground. Might have been fruit that had just fallen off the tree, starting to rot. Who knows? But it wasn't a good selection. No care went into it, and in fact, it can be stated that he made sure that he did not pull it from the best that he had. 
Have you ever been into a situation where you decided God just doesn't deserve your best election? And you pull it from anywhere. No planning goes into it to the great king. You haven't done that. I'm glad you haven't been there. You haven't done that. Just bring his selection. Your selection of where you get your offering from makes all the difference and will reflect your attitude in your offering. Abel's came, the Bible says, from first, the firstborn, and then the Bible says from the fat portions, that which is the best. He brought, first of all, that which God deserves. He deserves our first fruit. Then from the first, he deserves the very best. Abel brought the fat portions. We never hear in scripture of Abel having a conversation at all. In fact, you don't even hear of Abel again in the Old Testament beyond chapter 4 of Genesis that I'm aware of. You hear him mentioned over in Hebrews in 11.4 when his offering is mentioned. Hmm. But he is recognized even though nothing we have, he says. The third thing that we note is the attitude of the offerers. I'm going to be done in just a little bit. Should be done before the, the game tonight at 5 o'clock. There's an all-star game today at 5. So y'all okay, y'all got time. <laughs> the attitude of the offerers, the attitude. Abel's worship and God's acceptance of what he brought is noted first. Now when you look at Genesis, you will note the Bible mentions Cain first. And his offering. But then the Bible, when it comes to acknowledging the attitude of how they brought it, Abel is mentioned first. <laughs> Even though he is, Cain, I said, is mentioned first in the others, God is looking for those who will worship him in spirit and in truth. The Bible says that God had regard for Abel's offering. He had regard, he accepted Abel's offering. Because Abel had a proper and a good attitude. It was reflected in what he brought to the Lord. Do you not know that your attitude is detected and reflected in how you bring your offering to God? Your attitude is seen by how you approach God with what you have. Oftentimes, a people don't, don't, necessarily, don't necessarily think about or reflect upon that the offering, my attitude, is a reflection of my heart. Cain's attitude was one of evilness and wickedness. He did not want to worship God, and he did not want to offer him any gift. And the Bible knows that God did not have regard, or he did not accept the offering of Cain. Are you listening? God is serious about Worship of him and how we offer our gifts to him. He's very serious because it reflects our heart. It reflects how we really feel towards God. Note that the Bible does not specify how Cain was rejected. But the Bible notes that he knew that his offering was not accepted because of what he did and how he basically responded. He became angry. Now, it's something when people do wrong 
And they get upset with others for the wrong that they've done or the wrong attitude that they have. I'm upset. Why are you upset with them? It's, it's you who did wrong. Why well, I, I just got to be wrong, upset with somebody. I can't be upset with myself, be upset with somebody else. We get upset with the wrong people oftentimes. And so Cain gets upset with his brother and he gets upset with God. So we have reflected what upon the quality, the selection, and the attitude of the offerers. Point number two, given a chance to change and do right. Given a chance to change and do right. But before judgment, God will often give a chance to the person to repent. If you will notice throughout scripture, God is always in the business of giving warnings and in fact, we, we, we note, it even in our study on Wednesday, Wednesday, Wednesday nights, and, and on Tuesday times, as we make mention of certain things, we note that God came down and visited Abraham, and Abraham at the time, but Abraham, we notice that God came down to visit him before going to Sodom and Gomorrah. That, that, that is it true that what I'm hearing is really taking place. There is an investigation. Then we look up the Tower of Babel and, and we note that the Lord came down to see what they were doing. God takes inventory and he comes down to inspect. There is often a time where God comes to have a person to get it right before judgment. And we have such a case even with Cain and Abel. It is God himself who comes to Cain to choose and tell him Basically, if you choose that which is right, won't you be accepted? Now, as I look at this, it is noteworthy that the fall of Adam and Eve, the Lord gave the consequence to each of them. And then in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, the Bible states that it would put enmity, he would put enmity, what? Enmity between what? The serpent and the seed of the woman. Well, we know actually that that begins to be carried out right with Cain. Now, ultimately, we know that it's going to be represented by Jesus Christ defeating him. But the beginnings of that actually start with Cain, putting enmity between the serpent and the woman, her seed and his seed. You see, when it comes to God's God, God is worshiping God. You need to understand that he takes it seriously. Now, I need you to note this. Whenever God had a word, he would often send a prophet. But isn't it interesting that God came himself? He, he came himself and approached Cain. He says, Cain, why are you angry? Cain, why is your faith downcast? What's wrong with your continence? If you do right, won't you be accepted? But if you don't, sin is lurking. It's ready to, it's just crouching, ready to pounce on you. We know that Cain was given the remedy. Do, do you know that if you have something that happens, you, you want the remedy? If you're bitten by a rattlesnake, don't you want the remedy? You, you wouldn't be saying, I'm cool with that, don't worry about it. 
me and this rattlesnake got a thing going. I'll, I'll be okay. No, he said, give me some. In fact, you'll be jumping and screaming, probably be dead in two minutes because of your excitement. You're supposed to relax. So how are we going to relax if they went and bitten by a rattlesnake? Give me the remedy. Ain't time for no conversation. Just give me the remedy. The Lord gives Cain the remedy. But he chooses instead to act out his sin. He refused to deal with that which God had given. I'm going to tell you this. That when God gives a solution and it is turned down, you really should not expect another solution to the problem. It is oftentimes God's grace. Again, that may even offer you a second time. But God is not obligated to keep trying to make you force, to force you to accept his provisions. The Bible says that God came himself to Cain. I need to still say this. One can say, back when we read in Solomon, in the book of Solomon, or Ecclesiastes 4, when the fool folds his hands and refuses to do anything and eats his own flesh, that, is, that basically means when a person who is lazy just folds their hands, it's speaking of a person who will be eventually destroyed. When, when we look at Cain, it was as if he was folding his arms and says, I don't want the remedy. I don't want the change. I don't want to change. And he rejected God. And I want you to know, God did not force himself on Cain. But there is a penalty and a consequence that he's going to have to address. Isn't God such a loving God that he comes and provides the remedy for us? He comes and gives us what we need and offers that to us. It says, if you just choose that which is right, you'll be accepted. I also noticed that what God did not say. He didn't say, be just like your brother Abel. Even though he could have been and taken note from him. But the envy that built up in him was one of negativity. The rivalry was that for him of evil. His attitude reflected, was, was reflected in his worship. We note that Cain, after refusing to honor God, rose up and killed his brother. He refused the appeal by God to change and then suffered the judgment of God. You cannot continue to reject God and get away with not having any consequence. You can't get away from judgment. God offers life. He gives life. He says, choose life. Choose life. Choose life. He gave Cain what he needed. But Cain said, no. Where do you currently stand when people have challenged you to do right? Where do you stand? Do you turn away and say, I don't know who they think they talk. Or do you accept and embrace? You know, that was hard, but that's for me. There have been times when I've had to accept a hard word. Man, I needed that. Didn't want to hear it. Ouch. Ooh. But that's what I needed. Why? Because it's something that helps me to be able to grow. Be able to experience God. You see, when God does a work in disciplines, it is for our good. It's for the purpose of helping us in our honoring and worshiping of him. 
While Cain was given the solution, Cain said, no, I don't want to do it. How is your worship in giving back to God the best of what you have? How do you show your appreciation to God? There's been many people who said, God, if you give me this, I'm going to do that. Two weeks later, you forgot what you promised. God, if you give me this, I'll do that. Well, the Bible says it is better not to vow and not follow up and do what you said. Just let your yes be yes and no, no. But to make a vow and then not carry forth, that, that's, that's not good. The Bible, the Lord says he does not, he does not appreciate, he does not like that. Say, so God, you've blessed me. Help me to honor you as I should. Help my worship. This time, the Lord, I don't even feel like worshiping, but help me to worship you whether I feel like it or not. There are times when then you don't even, you're, you're, we were talking the other day, your, your mind is someplace else. And we were talking about, it's not even all about the feeling, but sometimes God will even use that. But your mind, getting your mind in a place of just being able to be before the Lord. Bringing your mind together and just honoring him. There's sometimes when I'm praying, my mind takes 15, 20 minutes before my mind is settled. Oh, God, yes, it's you here. There's no better audience to have than God. <laughs> Thinking about what I got to do, did I got to do that? All kinds of stuff. I'm going to give you some help right now. If you have your mind going all over the place when you are praying, get yourself a pad and a pencil. And the moment something comes up, just write it down. I'll get to it later. Write it on out. So that you don't have to have your mind wondering and having to get a note. No, just make a note. Because there's going to be a lot of stuff that comes to your mind when you began to worship and pray and honor God. Oh, yeah, you're going to have, you're going to have, a, you're going to have a battle, but just do it. What's your attitude like? Where, where is your act of worship? When you look at Abel and Cain, do you not know this was their act of worship to God? When they came before the Lord and presented their gifts, it was an act of worship. Hmm. Do you worship God only when you, when you feel like it and when you feel good? Do you go to church even when you don't want to? Do you say, God, I'm going to do the right thing even when I don't want to? Do, do you go to that person and say, I'm sorry, even when you really don't want to? Even when that person says, I'm sorry, would you forgive me? And you want to say, I don't want to forgive right now. I'm angry. Why do they have to ask me now? Not now. When the Lord comes and gives a word, how do you respond? Don't forget, it was the Lord who came to Cain and offered him a chance to get it right. If you want to have Cain the right attitude, just do that which is right. So when he kills his brother, as I bring this to a close for today, the Bible notes that the Lord came to Cain and asked him a question. Cain, where is your brother? Same question that the Lord came when Adam and Eve had sinned. Where are you? What have you done? And here we have the first curse of a man. Other was a serpent, the ground, but here Cain is cursed. Murder. And we find from the line of Cain that 
which began to then be evil. You trace Cain's line, you will find and see that which is a people against the Lord. What do you do when the Lord comes to you and makes the appeal to change? What's your response to him? Who do you have to appeal to beyond God? Who, who else do you have? If the Lord comes and makes the appeal, just do this and live. What else are you going to choose? Cain had no excuses. And the Lord then told him, Cain, the ground is no longer going to produce for you. You're going to be a wanderer. Why? Here we have God having first come to give him the ability and the privilege to say, yes, Lord, I'll do it your way. But when the Lord is refused, there has to be judgment. Solomon looking for the meaning of life. If you keep going through the book, you'll come to discover that Solomon comes to say that to honor God is most important. Enjoying life, but honoring God brings meaning and gives meaning to life. He tried everything else. He went through everything. Came to discover that it was the Lord who makes the difference. Right where you are, where you bow your head. The Lord is taking and making evaluation. What is he finding with you? The Lord has already made the appeal. What have you done with the appeal? Does he get what Abel brought the first fruit and the fat portions from you, or does he get the refuse? Does he get the discarded? What does God get from your life? He's offering the best, but what does he get in return? And if God doesn't get the best, do you expect the best from him? God can only do that which is the best. He doesn't, can't do anything different. He's, his nature is perfect. He loves you beyond measure. He comes to give life. Don't fold your hands and let the good that God has pass you by. But do what the Lord says. Do good and you will be accepted. Give your best. It will be accepted. Today, Lord, in this place, we are thankful to you for giving us the chance and the ability and the privilege to be able to bring to you our very, very best. Thank you for coming and telling us what we need and giving us the opportunity to offer to you that which you have given. We consider that God, when we look at the work that you have given, people's lives that you have given us the privilege to touch and to influence. That we are to do it as unto the Lord for the work that we have, whether it's through ministry in the church or on our job, it is unto you. How do we serve? What do we bring? May we know and recognize, God, you have done 
it all. And if we as a people will learn to just respond and be faithful to you, God, what a blessing that will be. We thank you today and we honor you today for life and your grace and your glory and your mercy. Today we pray that the word of God will stir us to action in ways that we have not known before. We'll be challenged in ways going forward that we won't be comfortable with the mediocre, but that with the Lord, what more would you have we do for you? May I give you my very best. We give you the glory and the honor in Jesus' name. Amen. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord bless you.